0: Lift them up and repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys sound great this morning. I really sense God's presence here today, and, and I think that's a good thing because that's really what we need, isn't it? It's really, we need him. I am so pumped out of my mind to share this message with you guys today, and I'm not just saying that. I absolutely mean it. I have literally looked forward all week long to this moment. And I was so excited to share first service, and I am just as equally as excited about sharing this service. We're we're on a second week of the Prayer of Jabez series. Now, some of you may remember in the 90s when uh, Wilkerson did a book on the Prayer of Jabez, and it was very, very popular. I just want you to know, I have not read that book. I I looked at a couple of uh, passages out of it, a couple of pages, but I didn't read it. And I went online and did a little study. Uh, did some YouTube stuff and looked around, and then as I was just starting to dig into it, I said, "You know what? I'm going to stop right here." I said, "God, let's just you and I go through this." And I said, "Let's just me and you go through this," and I think it's fantastic that we have all these resources in the world, but I just want you and I to go through it, and I want you to tailor this section of scripture, this passage, for our body specifically. And so what you're going to hear today is exactly what I think God wants you to hear. Now, the truth is, and I talked to some people after first service and said, well, you brought a lot of stuff out of the book. That's good. That just means those guys were right. (laughs) Yeah, that's me being silly. But but the reality is the truth's here. Literally, y'all, come on, I want you to hear this. Some of you are going to walk out of here different today. Some of you are going to catch what God wants for your life today, maybe in a way that you never have before, and I'm not overselling that. This is incredibly powerful because this gets down to the core of what God wants us to do when he blesses us. And and so if you missed last week or you want to go back and listen or you want to go back seven or eight years ago, we've got all the sermons that we've done, me and the other guys and and ladies that have spoken, for the last seven years are on the website. You can go to thehighlandassembly.com. There's a media tab. Click it. All the messages are on there, and many of them have the notes. So if you missed something or you weren't here last week, we've also got an app, and you can listen to it that way. So you don't have, if, you, if you think today, oh, man, I hate that I missed that, then go back and listen to it again because there's a lot here, and we've got a lot of ground to cover. Have you got your notes? Hold your notes up. How many pages are there? That would be four. Last week, I gave you one question. This week, you're getting six So bless your heart, okay? That's because there's a lot here, but we covered it all, and it's really, really good stuff, okay? So let's just jump right in here. We're going to start with 1 Chronicles chapter 4. The title of this message is More, okay? It's More. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him with pain. There was pain at childbirth with him and because she hurt so much, she said, they came into the room and they said, What do you want to name this baby boy? And she said, Pain. <laughs> and so that's what they on his birth certificate, it said pain. And so Jabez lived with that label for his life of being pain. Literally, it wasn't a nickname, it was his name. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now when he says bless me indeed, the uh, Hebrew translation of that word indeed means indeed with five exclamation marks. There I am. All right. So when you look at this Hebrew word where it says indeed, the literal translation of him saying indeed is five exclamation marks. And so it wasn't just God bless me indeed. It was God really, 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 really bless me. That's powerful. Then he says, and enlarge my border, enlarge my territory that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm and that it may not pain me. And listen to this. And God granted what he requested. God granted his request. So here's the thing. You've got to understand there, there's a process that happens here that we want to know because here's a question. I asked it last week. I want to ask you this week. How many of you want to ha- be blessed in life? Good. Put your hands down. How many of you want to be cursed in life? How many of you want a totally jacked up life? Anybody? Okay, good. We're all on the same page because that's a whole different class, okay? So we're not going to cover that today. We all want to live a blessed life, but we need to understand what he was asking. And there's two parts to blessing in Hebrew. When you look at what he was asking for, these are the definitions of that. When he said, Lord, I want you to bless me, the first thing you have to realize in blessing is that there is a greater and a lesser. There's a blessor and a blessee. And God is the one who blesses. God is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hill. God is the one who controls blessing. And Jabez knew that. And the fact that he went to God shows that he understood, I'm not the one who blesses, God is. And so I'm going to go to the one who can bless me. The second thing you need to understand is the actual literal translation of the word blessing. Because blessing is mentioned over 600 times in the Bible, Old and New Testament. And this is what blessing means. It is a special favor that is intended to result in prosperity and success. So he was saying, God... I want you to make me more prosperous. I want you to bless me financially. I want you to enlarge my border. And God, I also want, want you to give me success. And In our vernacular, it would be bless me at school, bless me at work. God, I want you to bless me financially in every way, but I also want you to bless me in what I do. Now listen, on the surface, that looks like a very selfish prayer, doesn't it? And yet, we see that God blessed him. So here's, you know, I'm not incredibly intelligent, but I do understand a few things. And so when I looked at this, I probably had the same question right now that you did. Why did God answer his prayer? What was it about Jabez? Because if you read Chronicles, it's Joe Bob had this person and that person. And, and then right in the middle of all that is this story about Jabez, and it's about God blessing him. Why is he different from everybody else? What is it? What's the formula? What's the secret sauce? Well, today you're going to find out. And I want to tell you up front, what you're going to hear in the next few minutes is absolute truth. And it's going to force you to examine yourself. Because there's a reason that God blessed Jabez, and God doesn't change. And the same God that blessed him is still blessing us today but do we have the same heart that Jabez did? So let's get into that. Number one, look on your notes there. Jabez asked for prosperity and success with five exclamation marks, and God said yes. God said yes to that. So why did God answer Jabez's prayer? And here's what I wrote that I want you to hear. What was it about his prayer, or more accurately, what was it about Jabez's life that got God's attention and moved him to action? What was it about Jabez that made him special? Because that's really the question. Well, the, the answer to that question is this. Motive. Everybody say motive. Motive. Motive is the why. And, and motive is described, if you look in Webster's Dictionary, motive is described as something As a need or desire that causes a person to act. The Cambridge Dictionary says this, motive is a reason for doing something. And then I think this is the best combination definition here. Motive is a reason for doing something, especially one that is hidden and not obvious. And and we have a visual illustration up here that I want to show you. And, And if you look, this is an actual iceberg up near Iceland and all that. This is a real live picture of an iceberg. And, and I want you to imagine that above the iceberg, the, the part sticking out of the water is behavior. That's what we see. That's behavior. Below the iceberg is motive. What's bigger? See, motive drives what people see. Motive is the reason we do things. And motive, folks, is everything. Why you do what you do is everything. Let me give you a silly illustration. Let's say I want you to give me some money so that I can go get some ice cream, because ice cream is good, okay? And you say, why? And I say, because I want to eat it, okay? I want to eat it. Okay, so you understand that. But, but let, me, let me put another illustration to you. What if I say, I want you to give me some money so that I can go get some ice cream? And you say, why? And I say, because it's my mom's birthday, and I know she likes vanilla, and I want to surprise her. The difference between the two? Motive. One, the first one, is selfish. The second one is to bless somebody else. And the motive is the only difference between the two. You say, well, pastor, why is this such a big deal? I'm going to read you four verses, two out of the New Testament, two out of the Old Testament, and I'm going to interchange them. And this is going to tell you the way that God looks at motive. Okay? James chapter 4, verses 2 through 3 says this. He said, you desire, you want things, and you do not have them. And then notice what happens. You murder And covet, covet means you want what others have, and you cannot obtain it. And then look at the extremes that we will go to get things. You fight and wage war. And then he says this, you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong what? Motives. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. James is very clearly saying here, you know, you're willing to go to war. You're willing to kill people to get what you want. And if you would ask God for it, he would give it to you, but only if your motives are right. And he said the reason you're not getting it is because your motives are wrong. Now let's go to the Old Testament, Jeremiah 17, verses 9 through 10. It says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It hides things. And it's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And this is God talking right here. God says, but I, the Lord, search all the hearts and examine the what? The secret motives. You know, using our iceberg illustration is that on the surface, we may look like our motives are right, but God sees what's underneath. The secret motives of why we do what we do. Why are you being so sweet to such and such? I thought you hated them. Oh, I'm setting them up. On the surface, it looks like you're being sweet, but underneath, your motives are wrong. The secret motives. 1 Thessalonians, New Testament again, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. For we speak as messengers, Paul is saying, approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose, now he says what his motive is here. He says, Our purpose is to please God, not people. And God alone examines the motives of our hearts. God knows our motives. And then the last one is 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Now let me set this up. Samuel, the prophet Samuel, was going to anoint the next king after Saul. And he went to David's house. And and David had a bunch of brothers that were big and tall and good looking guys. and so Samuel goes in there, and then God says to this to Samuel. Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but what? Lord looks on the heart. See, guys, with God, everything's about motive. What does that mean? Here's your big thought today. In other words, man looks at the what, God looks at the why. Man looks at the what, and God looks at the why. So, so if motive is so important to God, then what does it have to do with Jabez? Why did God look at Jabez? How did God know that Jabez had a good heart? Look at number two. Jabez's heart was right before God. In other words, his motive was good. How do you know that, Pastor? 1 Chronicles 4 verse 9 says this. Jabez was more what? Than all his brothers. See, it tells us the answer right there. In other words, Jabez's motive was honorable. And it says that at the beginning of the scripture. It doesn't tell us that at the end. It tells us up front that Jabez had a good heart towards God. And that allowed him to go before God and receive what he asked for. But but there's something interesting. In this, this part, I kind of go to go off, not really off track, but I think it's kind of a side note here because I think this is very, very interesting. Jabez, number three, Jabez did not separate the blessing from his pain. In other words, Jabez's pain informed his blessing. His label informed his life. So how do you know that, Pastor? Let me show you. I'm going to read this section again because I want to show you a couple of things. This is out of the New American Standard. Jabez was more honorable than his other, than his brother's, but his mother named him Jabez because he bore, she bore him with pain. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border. And notice what he says here, that your hand or your presence might be with me and that you would keep me from harm that it may not what? Pain me. God, I want you to bless me, but I don't want it to bring pain. Because, see, I've lived my whole life centered around pain. When I get up in the morning, they said, Pain, get up. Here comes pain in school when he raised his hand. Go ahead, pain, answer. He was so labeled with this name that everything he did circled around this name. But Jabez said, God, I want you to bless me, but I don't want it to be focused on that. But the Lord showed me another verse that I think is really powerful. this is out of the New King James. I want to read it to you. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. But notice what this translation says, that I may not what? Cause pain." So God granted him what he requested. Look at your scripture. Your next scripture is Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. I want you to see what this says. The Lord's blessing, and we're talking about blessing here, the Lord's blessing brings wealth, but no sorrow comes with it. God's blessing brings wealth. God's blessing brings prosperity, but it doesn't have sorrow attached to it. Now, I don't know about you, but this really resonates with me. Because I'm one of those so driven people that if I want something, I'm going to get it. But can I tell you in my life, the things that I have chased that hard and that I have gotten didn't taste so good after I got them. Because there was pain with it. And Jabez knew that better than probably just about anybody. He said, God, I want your blessing because I don't want pain to come with it. I don't want, I've done this. I've chased things down and chased things that I thought I needed, but I didn't ask you about it, God. I just thought it flashed and there I've got to have it. And now I chase it down and it causes me pain. But your blessing brings no pain with it. That's fascinating to me. Jabez wanted God to bless him because he knew that the blessing of God does not bring pain. He did not want his namesake to bring pain to him or anyone else. And so I'm going to read a statement that I wrote that encapsulate what Jabez is praying here. This is so important, guys. This is if you don't hear anything else, hear this. This is what Jabez was praying. God I want you to bless me. I want you to prosper me. I want you to enlarge my territory. God, I want you to give me more influence. Lord, I want you to give me more wealth. But Lord, please let your hand, your presence be with me that my blessing would not cause me or others pain. Number four. Jabez motive wasn't asking for blessing just for himself. Jabez motive was asking for him to be blessed because he wanted to bless other people. He wanted to be blessed to be a blessing. And guys, that's the secret to why God blessed him. His heart Was right. He was more honorable than his brothers. His position with God was good. So when he stood before God and said, I want you to bless me, Lord, I don't want to cause pain. I don't want to receive pain anymore. I've lived my whole life that way. God, I want to be a blessing. I want you to bless me so that I can bless other people. I'm going to show you another example of scripture of someone that had really good motives. And what God did If you look in 2nd Chronicles chapter 1 Verses 7 through 12 This is where King Solomon has taken over the kingdom King David has died A man after God's own heart The Bible tells us has died And now his son Solomon Is going to take over the kingdom And so Solomon Is now in charge He's now king And so Solomon decides they're going to have a huge church service And they do And they have this massive service before God He's the brand-new king. And the Bible tells us when the service is over, he goes back into his room by himself. And here's what happened. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, now listen to this, ask for whatever you want me to give you. How many of you have ever seen Aladdin? Come on. How many of you have kids? You've seen Aladdin, okay? Big blue genie, right? But, but I want you to understand, you rub, the, you rub the little lamp thing, and the genie comes out and says, you got three wishes, right? And, and that's just something. This really happened. The God of the universe shows up to Solomon and says, Solomon, what do you want? Hmm. Can I ask you that question? If tonight when you go home and you get ready for bed and it's quiet and nobody's around, and imagine Jesus coming into the room and sitting down with you and said, ask me for whatever you want. Hmm. So what did Solomon say? Solomon answered God and he said, God, you have shown great kindness to David, my father. And you have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed. For you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. So here it comes. Here's his answer to God. Watch. God, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people For who is able to to govern this great people of yours? God, me and you, if you're asking me, then Lord, I want to be a good king. I got a lot of responsibility. Help me to lead these people. Listen to God's response. This is real. Listen to what God said to him. God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire. Now, who searches people's hearts? So this is really what God was looking at him and going, yeah. Since this is your heart's desire. And notice here, notice what happens. You have not asked for wealth. You have not asked for possessions or honor, nor for the death of your enemies and since you have not asked for a long life, but you have asked for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore, because of that, because of your request, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. But notice what God does. Because God's a good father, isn't he? And I will also give you wealth, possessions, honor, such as no king who is ever before you and none after you will ever have. Motive. Motive. Many of you have heard, some of you haven't. Uh, I was at a gas station a few years ago and I walked in and an elderly gentleman who I do not know uh, walked up to me and said, hey, you're the, the pastor at the Assembly of God Church, Right? I said, yes, sir, I am. He held up a lottery ticket. And he said, if you pray I win this, I will tithe to your church. But my favorite part of the whole exchange was his face. He went, (laughs) like, this is a good deal. (laughs) I didn't pray for him. I'm not talking about the lottery. What I'm talking about is motive. What I'm talking about is what God's interested in. What I'm talking about is what God wants us to to do because, see, his desire is to bless his children. And James made it very clear that, that we want and we steal and we wage war to get but the reason we don't ask God is because even intrinsically we recognize that our motives are wrong. But God wants to bless those whose motives are right. Look at number five. The byproduct or the result of God's blessing is that it blesses us and blesses others. Look at Genesis t- chapter 12, verse 2. This is God talking to Abraham. This is called the Abrahamic covenant, which we still are a part of today. God says, and I will make you a great nation. I'm reading out of the Amplified. And I will bless you abundantly, which means more than enough. And I will make your name great, exalted and distinguished. And you shall be a what? A blessing. A source of great good to other people. Church, I'm going to explain this in a way that even a child can understand. This is God's plan. God blesses us to bless others. It's not only for us. It is for others. And the reason we run into issues in our life where where we don't get what we would request or maybe even not request of God is because we have issues with our motives. We have issues with our motives. Let me give you a very silly but obvious example. A five-year-old child... A little boy comes up to his parents and said, you know what I want for Christmas? A machine gun. I need one. This is very important. Why would you not give that child a machine gun? Because he'll shoot his sister. No, that's not the right answer. He's going to hurt everybody. Why? His motives aren't right, and he can't handle it. Is God a good father? He's looking at our motives. He's looking at our why. And we've got to get the why right. Now, here's the part, and I'm closing. This is the last point. This is where I hope you are right now. I hope in the course of the last few minutes, you've listened to this and you understand God's process for blessing. Hopefully, you're at the place right now where you're asking yourself the question, What are my motives? What are my motives? Because that's the important thing. And if you're asking yourself that question and you're being honest with yourself, then probably what you're going to find is maybe some of your motives aren't good. Some of them probably are good. Pastor, if I won the lottery, I would give to the church. What about the rest of it? Because God was able to look at Jabez, who asked for prosperity and blessing, and God granted his request because he knew that his request was going to be a blessing not only to him, but for other people, and that was his motive. God granted Solomon wisdom when he asked for it and then blessed him with everything else because he knew that his motives are right. So my question to Chris Clem, my question to myself, the question that I've gone over as I prepared this message for you guys is what about me? Are my motives good? Are my motives pure? And if I'm honest, I have to be honest about some areas in my life. Some of my motives are not good. So then the question is, what do I do with that? If I realize that's true, then God, what do I do? How do I get my motives right? Number six, how can we change? Because I asked you guys the question at the beginning of service, of how many of you want to be blessed and you all wanted to be blessed, and then if we realize the issue is not God but us, then how can we put ourselves in a position to receive God's blessing? How can we change? So here's the question. What do you do? Now listen, I'm about to give you a very deep theological response. Are you ready for this? Focus ask for help how many of you have a GPS how many of you listen to it (laughs) that's smart I didn't need more women tell me what to do so I turned mine off you know just kidding just kidding That was funny. Come on, let's be real. The guy's like, dude, you are crazy. What are you thinking right now? No. So here's here's what I'm saying to you. Ask for help. God, my motives aren't right. See, here's the thing about motives. It shows a deeper issue. The motives that you have are there because of something that's happened to you. You need control. The the reason you need control is because somebody took control from you, and so now you have to have it, and that's a broken area. And then it creates motivation to protect yourself, and now your motives are not okay. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Transformed. Now listen to me. Transformation does not mean you 2.0. Transformed does not mean a better version of you. Transformed means a new creation. The Bible tells us, and when we receive Christ, we are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. You may look the same, but everything on the inside is new. And see, what we try to do is that I need to change my motives. In other words, I need to try to change my behavior. Can I tell you behavior modification doesn't work very well? We need to change on the inside. And the only way that can happen is when we ask God to do it. When we ask him to change us from the inside out. Ephesians 4.22 says this through 24. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. We talked about that earlier. That you would be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's that mind thing again. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. But Jesus told us the secret sauce. Here's how your motives can change from the inside out. Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. What Jesus is saying is the helper's gonna come and he's gonna be with you and he's gonna be in you and he's gonna help you change from the inside out. But guys, here's the key. If. God will not force himself on you. And here's what I see that most of us struggle with. If the game of life is a baseball game and getting to first base is getting saved, but getting to second, third, and home is living the fullness of life that God wants us to have, most of us make it to first base and that's where we get stuck. Salvation is easy because that's where we receive the cross. We receive what God has done. And we recognize our sin, and we ask God to come and forgive us of our sin because of what Jesus has done, and he does that. And it's awesome. But then for the next 20, 30, 40, 70 years, We stay over here at first base, and we never move beyond that because Jesus said now is where you walk out your salvation. Now is where you grow as a disciple. Now is where you learn to surrender. Now is where you allow me to come inside and begin to work on the inside and change your motives. You and I, I still want to get down there by you guys but I know y'all can't see. You and I want God's blessing, but in order to receive his blessing, we have to live his way. And in order to live his way, we have to be willing to come to him and allow him to search us from the inside out and change us. And let me tell you what that takes. Trust. Trust do I trust God with my stuff? Do I trust him with my motives? And I'm just going to tell you, God and I had a big talk about three weeks ago because I was dealing with some challenges in myself. You guys know I like to be transparent. I don't have it all figured out. And there were some things I was struggling with in life that I've been struggling with for about 10 years. And I said, God, I'm really sick and tired of this. And I really sensed the Holy Spirit there with me because I was being absolutely sincere. And I said, God, help me understand why this is going on. And he did. And you know what I recognized What he showed me, the problem was, as only Jesus can. See, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you, but I am going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to convince you of some things. If you'll be brave, he's going to show you some things in here of why you are the way you are. And a lot of times that's not pleasant. Because the reason, the truth is, the reason our motives are the way they are and the situation of life is where where we are is because people have done stuff to us and we've accepted that label like Jabez accepted his for a while. Or we're where we are because of the decisions that we have made. Talking about what James was talking about. And God said to me, Holy Spirit talking to me, not in a weird way, just as a good father. If you want to change, we'll do that, but you're going to have to surrender everything to me. Now, I am coming down here now. If it's that way for me, it's absolutely that way for you too. Some of you are ready to move forward in your relationship with God. Because I cannot separate in the scripture, I cannot separate where God says he wants to bless us. He does. That is our right as his children. But the only way we receive that blessing is to do things his way. And the only way that's gonna happen is when we surrender to him and allow him to begin to flip over those rocks in our life where there's that brokenness. And as I say that, some of you are petrified. Because we spend our life trying to protect ourselves from hurt. And yet God sees that, and Jesus didn't die. Listen to me, y'all. This is the heart of God for you. Jesus didn't die so you could be okay. Jesus did not die just so you could get to first base and just struggle through life until it's time to go to heaven. He died. Jesus said, I have come. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. That's here. And have it abundantly, overflowing. That's his job description. I've come to forgive you, set free, captives, heal the brokenhearted, and then give you this amazing abundant life. But you have to cooperate with me and do things my way. In his way is complete submission. And that's hard, because that's not a one-time deal. Sometimes that's an every five-minute deal. And somebody cuts you off in traffic? Right? But but he, he wants us to surrender everything to him. And I want you to know, this is the battle that we face. I'm not worried about my salvation. If I died right now, I'm going to heaven, there's no doubt in my mind. But I want to live the fullness of life here. And imagine, friends, family, if you and I surrendered to him and allowed God to begin to come in, And start changing us from the inside out. Jesus said, Come to me, everyone who is weary. Are you tired? And heavy laden? And I will give you what? For my yoke is easy, he said, and my burden is light. This is not religion. We don't do that around here. I could care less about religion. Don't care. What I care about is this God who created the world and who loves me and you so much that he sent his son to die for us so that we could live free and we could reach our community and see our community change. It's not about a judge being on the throne. It's about a king being on the throne. Who's the king on the throne of your heart? If it's you, you're in the wrong place. And friends, with everything in me, this is what we want for you, to be the person that God's created you to be. So here's the thing, and I'm going to close. What are your motives? Who are you really? Are you ready to get off first base? Are you ready to make a real difference? Are you ready to allow God to do something amazing in your life? Say, Pastor, that scares me to death. Me too. It's okay. It's okay. But you know what? I would rather live that way than scared. Our world is not going to change because we're sitting over here scared to death. Our world is going to change when we surrender and allow God to begin to work and set us free. And then we walk out of here and shine. Not because we're perfect, but because he is. And remember why he blesses us, to go be a blessing to other people. That's it. So Pastor, that's so simple. I know. Jesus said, this gospel is so simple even a child can understand. That's why I get it. Let's live it. Let's all enter into a time of prayer. Everybody just bow your heads for a moment. I want to tell